0: Lord, our times and our days are in your hands, Lord. And Father, you've known about this whole issue of coronavirus, Lord, all of the things that are going on in the society that you've placed us in, Lord, to be light and salt. You, you have known these things were coming to pass. You have always known it. And Father, I believe you've prepared us for it. Lord, I pray that your grace... Uh, in, in a sense, would become effectually powerful in our life in these days. And, Lord, we would see beyond the logic and the reason of man. Father, we'd not be manipulated by the deception of anyone. And, Father, I pray for me that uh, I'd not be deceived even by my own stubbornness, Lord. But, Father, we'd be fully open to whatever you have and, Lord, if it is your will for us to continue to stand our ground, Lord, so be it. May we do it with a right heart, and may it have its right effect in the lives of others around us. And, Father, if it is your will that I do get now the shots and go through that, Lord, to be able to get back into the prison, then, Father, uh, I'm willing, Lord. My heart is open. Whatever you want, lord is what we want father so please speak and give us wisdom and uh, give me an undivided heart lord that i might fear you and walk in your truth ask it in jesus name amen amen so if you guys would keep that in prayer that would be much appreciated and as always if the lord shows you something um please somehow get that to me so we can come to whatever God has for us in this. So, Psalm thirty-seven. There's sort of a reason I wanted to get into Psalm thirty-seven, and if you'll turn with me to uh, Psalm thirty-seven, beginning in verse twenty-five, it's sort of the theme of this psalm, and uh, uh, I guess now at. You know, 71 years of age. I'm, I'm old enough to consider myself uh, one of the real elders in the church. And David is writing this. And, and you have to think about that. David is writing this and obviously uh, he comes right out and says, I have been young, now I'm old. So he's, he's writing this at a time in his life when uh, his hair has turned you know, gray, and uh, there's wrinkles where there used to be muscles, and, uh, you know, he's, he's an old man now, and we know that in the end of his days, his, his health was running down. He was getting weaker physically. They even would have uh, a young lady that would come and uh, nurse him along and keep his body warm so that they could keep him alive, and, and he would be sustained, And, uh, you know, a lot of people, as as we get older, they tend to write us off, especially in our culture, a culture of you throw away everything. You use it until it's worn out, and then you toss it out. You know, you're done. In the church, it should not be that way. One of the great treasures of the church should be those who have walked with the Lord for a long time. They should be a treasure. Uh, They should be someone That we look up to and that we go to for for godly advice for biblical advice and uh, we ought to look to their lives and, and look to them to pray for us pray with us and encourage us as we make decisions that they have already in their life made decisions about and and learn from their mistakes learn from their successes and and that's where david is here you know he says i i've been young and now i am old and there are things that i have learned is is sort of the purpose of this psalm one of them is Uh, right in the end of that verse he says yet i have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread and uh, one of the lessons that david had learned is that you know there's never really a reason for anyone who has truly followed the lord to look back over their lives and and say man i wish i hadn't done that you know he he looks back over his life and he has to remark that god has been faithful god has been faithful He's kept every promise. He has always been present. He has always sustained his servants through every situation and in every need. And and that should be something that we can do, especially for the younger generation coming up. One of the things that has been a common theme of almost every conversation we have had with nearly every person since we've been back here this week and visiting with many people is uh, a concern for the young people in the church and that the young people are kind of walking away from the church or at least holding the truth at arm's length. And uh, part of the reason for that is the young people, they, they, they want to see the reality of what we claim to believe in. And they want it to be more than talk and they want it to be more than just something that that we agree about when we're together on Sunday nights or midweek or whenever it is, but it has to be something that really governs our life throughout the day, whether we're at work, at home, at school, whatever whatever our lot in life is. They need to see it there, and, and they want to see the fruit of it. They want to know whether it really works, because let's face it, we live in a culture where media is so huge and information is just coming at us a million miles a minute you know and there's all kinds of things being said all kinds of things being claimed and even if you and I are not listening to all of that our kids are being inundated with it our grandkids are being inundated with it and they are looking at it and they're going okay what's true what can I really stake my claim in? What can I really settle down on and know for a fact that it's going to carry me into a life that's worth living? And, and God bless them for that. They ought to. You know, we're, we're to know what we believe and why we believe in it. And, and part of the way we come to that is through the personal living testimony of people who have who have walked the path for a while, and they've walked it, and and they've they've stumbled, they've fallen, they've experienced the chastisement of the Lord, they've experienced the the uh, uh, the comfort of the Lord, the healing of the Lord, the wisdom of the Lord. They've they've learned all of those things, and uh, I'm still learning things, and and I still have someone that I look to in my life to, to be that person who can say to me, hey, Jeff, you know what? I, I was young, but now I'm old, and this is what I've learned, and that's my pastor, Pastor Bill. I, I look to him. I talk to him. I ask him questions about life, about, about the Lord, about the Bible, about, about how do we make this become a reality for people to look at and see the fruit of it and be attracted to Christ as a result of it. And, and we all need to do that. And, and we have the benefit here in Psalm 37, I think, of David. You know, and, and think about his life. Think about what David has been through. If anybody has the right to kind of sit back and say, hey, kid, you know, come here. Let me tell you a few things about life. It's David. I mean, just for a moment, just kind of let your mind pass over the life of David, right? We know he was the youngest son of Jesse. We know that he wasn't the favorite son of Jesse. Can you imagine growing up in a home? Not that you're not loved, but you know you're not the favorite. You're the one, in fact, that gets the assignment of taking care of the family flock of sheep what does that tell you you're going to be away from home a lot but think of what god did in that time with david all by himself right what did he get to write the heavens declare the glory of god where did he learn that at night out guarding his father's flocks all alone And have nothing to do but just look up and marvel at God's creation. And in it, God spoke to him. And God revealed his glory to David through that experience. Right? Wisdom. He's growing. We know later on that during that time, he also learned lessons about integrity and bravery right when when he was going to go fight Goliath remember Saul said well yeah okay you can go out you're just a kid but you can go out I guess and here's my armor and everything go out and have at it you know and 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 David has to refuse the armor and and he says listen I've already fought against the lion and the bear what does that tell you about David There's nowhere else in the scripture that that's mentioned. David, as a young man, guarding a flock of sheep for a man who didn't respect him, for brothers who didn't love him, he cared enough and had enough integrity that when a lion and a bear attacked that flock, David, rather than saying, Who's going to know? Let them take a sheep. Stood up and fought off the lion and the bear. No one knew. But God knew. God was watching. And David learned at an early age about making hard decisions. Not because he would gain approval from people. But because it was the right thing to do before God. Integrity. Depth starts getting developed in a person's life then that was david and now he's old and he's got things to teach us how about even the issue about the armor david's faith is growing as a young man his faith remember the proclamation he made who is this uncircumcised philistine that he would dare stand against the lord god of israel That's a man of faith. And it wasn't a faith that was just a common faith. Oh, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in God. No, this was a faith that drove him to a certain action. I'll go out and fight him. Well, here, put on my armor. No, sir. I'm not going to put on anything that would take away from the glory of God giving me the victory not your armor, not the armor of the world, the wisdom of the world, the provision of the world. I'm going out with nothing but what I've always had, what God has always given to me, a slingshot and a few stones. And if God doesn't deliver me with that, then God's not going to deliver me. But if God is going to deliver me, that's all I'm going to have, and God is going to get all the glory for it. Those are deep. Lessons that some of us, even at our age, are still learning. Isn't it true? It's true, isn't it? I mean, the old hymn said, to God be the glory, great things he has done. And we all go, yeah, praise the Lord. Amen, brother. But we don't live as if if we really believe that. We still want to put on the armor of the world. And we want the wisdom of the world. And God has said all along, listen, you're not a part of that. You're to be separate. Come out from amongst them and be separate, says the Lord. Don't do things the way they would do those things. Don't do the things that they do. Don't think the way they think. Don't give in to the emotional drives that they have. Be separate. And live a glorious life. And Jesus knew it was not going to be easy for us. He said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they reject me, they're going to reject you. To to the degree that you do deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, they're going to reject you too. And anybody that's been here for any length of time has heard me say this a million times. If you're concerned about the world's opinion of you, you cannot serve Jesus Christ. You just can't. You you will always be double-minded. And because of that double-mindedness, you will be ineffective. It's not that God doesn't want to use you. You're not letting him. And so David, after all of those years, and... I mean, his first or second job, right? His first job was a shepherd. His second job was as a professional musician, right? He was invited into the king's palace because the king, Saul, he tended to have bad days. And so what do you do? You, you, You find somebody that can really play music well and you have them come in and swoon and croon and do all that kind of stuff and calm the guy down, right? And, and David was like, okay, I'll go do that, you know, and he goes and he does that. And Saul starts to get aware of what's going on here. You, Saul had to know that David was his replacement as king. And so Saul starts throwing spears at him, trying to kill him. And did David freak out? No. Did David get hardened in heart? No. Did David get angry? No. Do you hear him say, well, that's not the Lord. I'm not going there anymore. No. He stood his ground based on the promises of God, and he continued to love and respect the one who hated him and was trying to kill him. And the church has a lot of lessons it needs to learn from David in that. We don't know what to do with the world around us. Part of us wants to hate it. Part of us wants to be like it. And a very, very small part about us is where we're supposed to be light and salt for that world and share the gospel with it. Right? We, we know that, but, man, we struggle with these things, and we're pulled in a cabillion different directions. And so David comes to this point in his life and and he says, "Listen, I've been young, so i I know what it means to be impulsive. I know what it means to be tempted. I know what it means to struggle. I know what it means to learn how to be hated and still love the person. I know I, i've I've learned how to." trust the Lord and to trust God's working in me and not trust in in the devices or the means of the world I I know that I I've learned all of that thing and then if you go from there right back to the beginning of the psalm it it will begin to make more sense to you then here here he is you know filled with the spirit and all the experiences that God has led him into and through and he sits down, and it's sort of like having, you know, grandpa come and sit down in the living room and say, let me talk to you for a minute. Let me tell you a few things, right? And it's very practical. The first things he wants to talk about is this. Don't fret because of evildoers. Don't get bummed out. Don't get anxious. Don't let your mind be dragged down don't let your thought life be consumed because of evildoers around you. And secondly, don't be envious of the workers of iniquity. Remember, the psalmist had a problem with that. You know, he, he talks about In one of his Psalms where he says, you know, I I tried to walk with the Lord, but there came a point in time when when I looked around me and I saw the success and the wealth of the ungodly all around me. And I was ready to throw in the towel. I was ready to just quit. I watched the way they lived and I watched them deny God. And yet I watched them prosper and be successful and have great reputations and all of that. And he said, I just really wrestled with that. I was ready to quit my relationship with God, until I walked into the house of the Lord. And then I saw the result of their life's decisions. He got refocused. He got got his heart and his mind back on the Lord so that what he saw was not wrongfully interpreted. And we as the church have got to understand the blessing of God is not material, it is not temporary. That's not what we're supposed to be after. We're supposed to be after the blessing of God that is eternal and moth and rust cannot diminish it. Right? It's it's the stuff of the spirit. And so don't fret because of evildoers. Don't don't let yourself become jealous of the workers of iniquity. And think forward. Think from God's perspective. Why ought we not be anxious about their success? And why should we never be envious of their seeming success in life? Why? Because they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. And church... One thing I would absolutely beg you not to give up on and to never dismiss is the teaching in the Bible about the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Because as soon as we lose sight that Jesus could come back before we finish here tonight, we will begin to compromise and the world will begin to make Inroads into our thinking. One of the great things about the imminent return of Jesus as a biblical doctrine is how it encourages us to holiness. To make sure we're not giving in in the slightest way to the temptations of this world. This world is coming to an end. It's going to go up in smoke. COVID is not going to be the end of it. God is going to bring it to an end. And he's going to burn it all up and replace it with a new heaven and a new earth wherein is going to dwell righteousness. And in that new world, we will rule and reign with Jesus Christ if we are born again of his spirit are you born again are you daily seeking to be filled and controlled by the very spirit of Jesus Christ are you coming out of the world I'm not asking you are you out of it because none of us are you know, I still love food I love sweets. <laughs> I still... I can't even tell you that I battle with it. I just surrender to it every day. You know? <laughs> and then feel ashamed. <laughs> but are you gaining victory over your greatest enemy? I will, I will, I want, I want. Are you getting victory over that more and more every day? And wherever you fail... That's where you trust in the grace of God. The blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse you from all unrighteousness as you simply confess your sin. And as you struggle, remember 1 John chapter 2, we have an advocate in heaven who stands between us and a holy, perfect God. And he he intercedes for us. He intervenes for us. Father, I know. I know Jeff is a knucklehead. I know Jeff just gives into the flesh. I know Jeff can be stubborn, but you know what? I I died for him, Father. My blood is on him. My spirit has sealed him. Forgive him. And never think that that's an argument that Jesus and his Father have to have. It is God the Father's delight forgive you, and accept you. It's his delight. Wrath, the Bible tells us, is God's strange work. That's not something that comes natural to him. Loving you, forgiving you, accepting you, blessing you, being with you, keeping his promises to you, That's what's natural to God the Father. That's who He is. That's why Jesus came. So, this God that we cannot see was a God that we finally could see. Think about Jesus. How did He respond to unbelief? He wept. How did He respond to being falsely accused? He forgave. How did he respond when people spoke evil of him? He just got silent, went away, and prayed. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. Right? He, he's never going to change. And so we we can take great comfort in that. So don't fret and don't envy evildoers and workers of iniquity Uh, their judgment is coming their judgment is coming and your reward is coming your reward is coming so David goes on in fact he says listen here's what I've learned here's what I've learned don't don't fret because of evildoers and don't get jealous of them but positively do four or five different things first trust in the lord verse 3 verse 4 delight yourself also in the lord third thing is in verse 5 commit your way to the lord fourth thing is in verse 7 rest in the lord the fifth thing is also in verse 7 wait patiently for him, and then it's like a parenthesis. He couples it in uh, at the end of verse 7 by saying again, don't fret because of him who prospers in his way. Don't be envious of him. Don't attempt to imitate his life. Don't become jealous of his success and his prosperity. Understand what's coming to that person who rejects Jesus Christ and makes fun of your faith they're going to suffer an eternity separated from God. Jesus attempted to put it in words for us so that we could at least begin to comprehend what that would be like. He said there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Just this incredible anguish that is never going to come to an end. That's for them who reject the Lord. For you, Who don't fret because of them, are not envious of them, but trust in the Lord and delight yourself also in the Lord and commit your way to the Lord and rest in the finished work of the Lord and the promises that he's made to sustain you. What did he promise? The good work that I've begun in you, I'm going to be faithful to complete it. He says, one day I'm going to present you faultless before the throne of my Father in heaven. Rest in that. Yeah, but don't I have to do something? What about my failure? What about about my sin? What what about all the times that I have failed? What, What about the times I haven't prayed and I haven't been reading the Word and I haven't been going to church? Or what about all of those times that I've slipped up and messed up? There is nothing conditional in here, is there? No, these are just flat-out commands. And really, they're more than commands, they're invitations. He's saying, "Lizzie, you can trust in the Lord. You can trust in Him. Why? Because He'll never fail you. Trust in Him. And when we trust in the Lord, the most natural thing to do is to do good. We don't have to take things into our own hands. We don't have to respond to the world in a worldly way. And in fact, we'll find ourselves dwelling in the land and feeding on his faithfulness. We'll dwell in that place of of just peace. We'll dwell in that place of certainty. We'll dwell in that place we we know we're right where God wants us to be. and, And we will feed on his faithfulness. Listen, many of us, we struggle with this, and this is where we fail. We think that dwelling in the will of God is dependent on our faithfulness. It is not. Man, anything that is dependent upon my faithfulness... Pretty iffy. That's going to be very iffy. But if the promises of God to me are dependent on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, I got it made. I've got it made. I can rest in that. Amen? Right? We We can rest in that. So trust in the Lord and then delight yourself also in the Lord. This, this may sound more vague, but uh, it's becoming more and more important to me. And the question I have to ask myself is, am I really effectively loving Jesus more today than I did a year ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Am I loving him more? And I know that that question is frustrating for a lot of people. You know, I, I know a lot of people. They're well-intended, and gosh, I just don't feel like I love him enough. I don't feel like I love him enough, and they get depressed about it almost. And listen, there's none of us that love him the way he deserves to be loved. And again, the the reason that we fail in that is we think that that love is something that we have to. Strive to achieve that, that it's something that we have to pump it up and and we, we have to make it happen in our life for the Lord you know and, and what happens is we end up settling on emotional responses and and we begin to relate it to certain circumstances and and it just sets us up for failure and depression again. If you really want to grow in your love for Jesus, here it is. Is the deepest truth I'm going to leave with you. The way to grow in your love for Jesus is to grow in his love for you. We have no love, we think we do. All we have is a human love. And that human love is pretty capricious, it's inconsistent, it is selfish. God knows it. Listen, when the Bible says there is no good thing that lies within Jeff, whatever good qualities you think I have, from God's perspective, they are not good at all. There is no good thing that lies within me. And so if I'm going to love God, the only way I can love him is if he gives me the love to return to him why again you must be born again if you're not born again you can't love god if you're not born again you can't love anything or anyone other than yourself but when you're born again and the holy spirit of god comes in you the capacity to love god with his love it becomes a reality in your life now you have to deny the flesh You have to crucify the flesh and the deeds thereof daily. Keep those things down and under and let the Holy Spirit work in you and breathe life into that seed that he's planted in you, that seed of love. And so just delight yourself also in the Lord. Don't don't focus on what you can't do. Don't focus on what you're struggling with. Don't focus on that Focus on the answer to the problem. Answer to to every need. Focus on him and surrender to him and let him work in your life. And and he will give you the love that you can then return to him. Uh, So delight yourself also in the Lord. And the beauty of that is what? He shall give you the desires of your heart. When my heart is governed by God's love, then when I pray, I'm not asking for selfish things, am I? I'm, my prayer, then, is motivated by His love. His love for other people becomes the motivation, then, the basis of my prayer life. I'm not praying for what a person wants. I'm praying for what God wants to do in their life what God wants to give them. Because if I give you my prayer requests, you know, here's what I want, you could end up praying for things that God doesn't want to do in my life or give to me. But if we're praying in the Spirit, the Spirit will lead us to pray for what God wants to do. That's why the the best part of what we call the Lord's Prayer is thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Man, I don't know how much clearer Jesus could have made it. That's that's what we need to desire. Uh, So delight yourself also in the Lord. He shall give you the desires of your heart. Next Encouragement. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. All of us, if we're if we're really seeking the Lord, we all of us ought to have uh, this dichotomy of of sensitivity in our life. Part part of that dichotomy is I I know God loves me and accepts me, and that's there. Uh, but now there's this other thing going on that, that I'm, I'm always a little bit uncertain about is, you know, God, what would you have me to do today? God, are you really the Lord of my life? Completely. I know you love me, but, you know, am, am I where you want me to be? Am I doing what you want me to do? And uh, I, I can only tell you from, lends in my personal experience that we're learning that lesson and a part of that began uh, with the very process of us leaving Calvary Chapel of Rochester, a big part of the reason for us leaving Calvary Chapel of Rochester, uh, even, perhaps even more than us taking on this prison ministry down in North Carolina, it, the reason was much more selfish And the the reason was that I needed a fresh challenge. We could have stayed here. This would have been, what a blessing to just hang out with you folks. (laughs) You know, until the rapture. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That had been a life to, to envy. But we became aware that was not the life that God wanted for us. And I was getting lazy in it, spiritually. And I needed a good spiritual kick in the backside. And so, okay, God, whatever you want. Sell your house, pack up your bags, and move. How much time have I got? When did I tell you to do it? Now. There's your answer. Do it now. That's why it was so quick. When when the Lord does speak to you, don't put it off and don't try to be polite and careful about about everything else when when god speaks and says this is what i have for you then get to it because delayed obedience is disobedience obey him right now and just get at it you know? don't don't wait for conditions or approvals or other people's feelings because whatever we put in that, well, I'll wait until whatever that is, that becomes more important to us than God. That becomes an idol. And you've got to get rid of that. It's just, Lord, whatever you have. We're here, we're ready to go. And we went. And, and now, I mean, we miss people, but we are so happy that we went. Has life been perfect? Far from it, it's been filled with challenges. But the beauty of it is, with every challenge, there is a fresh and greater revelation of who our Lord Jesus is. And our our relationship with him now is sweeter and fuller than it has ever been. Ever been. And I I would encourage you, if the Lord is challenging you in any way, Don't put it off. Don't worry about what anyone else says or how anyone else is going to feel about it. You obey God and leave the consequences of that to God. God knows what he's doing. (laughs) He absolutely knows what he's doing. And you can absolutely trust him. So commit your way to him. Just commit it. To him, trust in him. Whatever your need, he'll bring it to pass. And notice verse six, great promise. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light. When you surrender to God and you just let him take you wherever he wants and do with you whatever he wants, he places his righteousness on display in your life and through your life, and people see it. There's just a sense of you're right where you belong. It was amazing to us how quickly the people that we were able to minister to down in North Carolina, how quickly they came to this place of every time Lynn and I would go somewhere, you're coming back, aren't you? because Because of what God was doing through us that they were absorbing and they were taking it in and they were growing in their own faith as a result of it. And God will do that same thing with you. It's, 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 it's not something unique or it shouldn't be. It should be just commonplace. God wants to use your life and your life is of tremendous value in the hands of God if you'll just surrender to him And you don't know whose life out there you are going to impact. Or how the Lord is going to use you. You have no way of knowing it right now. And that's the beauty of it. Don't attempt to analyze it and figure it all out and outline it and put it down in a schedule of any sort. Just make your life available and what God can do through your life is greater than anything you could think of or imagine. And not because of us, but because how awesome is our God. If you put something in his hand and just say, you can do anything you want to with this. Can you imagine what our God can do? Our God who spoke everything into existence, who holds everything together. Our God so holy, so pure, so powerful that he can even use the most the most devilish individual for his own glory and to suit his own purposes and lose nothing as a result of it. We we serve an awesome, awesome God. Please, please give him an opportunity in your life to show you how awesome he is, what he can do, And then verse 7, rest in him. Just rest in him. You don't have to prove anything to anyone. Just rest in the finished work of Jesus. Rest in his will for your life. Rest in his presence. And then wait patiently for him. Lynn and I have learned that lesson again. I guess we need to keep learning that lesson about waiting. It was over a year and a half ago, we were at the prison on a Sunday night, and that night we got the message, don't come back tomorrow. We're shutting the prison down because of COVID. And we haven't been able to get back in since that time. I wish I could tell you that I have waited consistently, patiently, (laughs) <laughs> but i i have not i'm I'm learning that and what is that is, is it just enduring it you know putting up with it and gritting your teeth and okay you know someday i'll get back in there no it's you know redeem the time and we we've discovered that that okay we can't get back in the prison okay so lord what would you have us do well, here's what I'd have you do. Record a Sunday morning message for both prisons and pipe it into both prisons every single week. Okay, we can do that. Uh, take the, the drug and alcohol program and turn it into a correspondence course and, and just do that. Okay, we'll do that. What else would you have us do? Get involved at the church in, in Chapel Hill. Uh, you know, get involved with the ladies' ministry. Get, get involved by opening your home and inviting people in. Get involved by inviting neighbors to come to church. And we're discovering it's amazing how easy that is. Quit being afraid of your neighbors. They are frightened. They're scared. We live in scary times. And the only place they're going to find peace and joy and purpose and answers is in the place where the word of God is held in high esteem. Invite them to come. Invite him to come. <laughs> just rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him because you don't know what, what he's going to do while you're waiting. I have learned over the years that during those times of, of from my perspective, it's frustrating because of my personality, but you know, of just waiting for the Lord to do whatever it is he's going to do it's during those times I can trust trust me on this those are the times when he is really digging deep when you think that he's doing nothing that he's not hearing you that that nothing is happening oh that's when he's doing his deepest work just hang in there and wait just wait because he's doing a deep work and the deeper the work you allow him to do in you the greater the work that he can do through you when it's over with. It's like when you look at a high rise, a great big huge skyscraper, something like that. One of the things that most people don't take notice of is how much time is spent digging the foundation and building the foundation before they lay the first piece of steel to take the building up. You cannot build a building higher than the foundation that you dig is capable of handling. And it's the same in our lo- our life with the Lord. Let him dig deep. Let him dig deep. And let him take his time doing that. You want his perfect work done. a Complete work done in your lives. Wait patiently for him. And, and remember, and he comes back to it again here in verse 7, doesn't he? Don't fret because of him who prospers in his way. David knows. David, David knows, you know, that waiting thing is not something we do well. And while we're waiting and just there available to God, God, do whatever it is you got to do. And we're watching people and and they're not believers, and they're just going forward, you know, and they're like on fast forward, and they're on the fast track, and they're enjoying everything, and they're going for it, and their life seems to be so exciting, and there's even so-called believers that kind of live that way, you know, they're just going, and going, and going, and going. Listen, let me tell you something, those people that are just going, 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 and not learning to wait on the Lord and be patient in their waiting for the Lord, Their relationship with God and their testimony, it might be a mile wide, but it'll only be about that deep. And it won't hold. It's going to fall apart. Let God dig deep. Let Him dig deep in your life. Let Him... Man, has there ever been a time and you, you know, you watch the news, you, you listen to all this nonsense that's going on all around us. The world is upside down. It seems like the devil is having his way. The church is being ridiculed. Individual believers are being ridiculed, challenged for their faith. Is, is there ever a time that you can think of it, or in, in your own lifetime, has there ever been a time when it's been more important for you as an individual believer to let God really dig deep? Some people think it's too hard to be a Christian right now. It's never been easy to be a Christian. Being a Christian is a miracle. All that the Bible tells us to do is to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it's God who works in us. To will and then to do of his good pleasure. It always begins with him. And then we react. We respond. We work it out. We figure out how to take what God has done in us and put it on display and make it available to people around us in the church and outside the church. But let him have that work done. And be patient with it, but be committed, because we are living in dark days. It is my personal conviction that Jesus is coming back really soon. We are if if we've lived in the last days, we are living in the end of the end of the end of days. There there really is, and you've heard me say it before, there really is no prophecy left to be fulfilled before Jesus comes back for his bride, the church my knowledge, there isn't one prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled. After he comes back for his bride, the church, there are many prophecies that will be fulfilled. And we'll watch that from glory. But are you ready for Jesus to come back? Are you longing for Jesus to come back or are there other things that you long for as much maybe even more oh Lord help us love you right? help us love you Lord I love that, that guy You know, Lord I believe but help my unbelief what an honest man <laughs> I know I should trust you but I don't always. So rest in him, wait patiently, don't fret. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass, guard your heart, cease from anger. Don't let anger overtake you. Anger will always destroy reason. When you let those passions rise, it keeps you from thinking as God would have you think. And forsake wrath. Get rid of that idea that as soon as the opportunity comes, you are going to get even. Get rid of it. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't live that way? I mean, while he's hanging on the cross, he prays, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Man, that's powerful stuff, isn't it? I mean, that's super superhuman stuff. And again, he says it, don't fret. Do you think there's a message in this psalm? (laughs) Chill out, baby, you know. (laughs) Relax. Kick back, let God. Devote yourself to him. Let him have his way with you. And then just respond to what he does in you. And Again he reminds us, verse nine, for evildoers shall be cut off. I mean there there is going to be a judgment. Things the way they are now, the status quo is not going to go on forever. There is coming an end to it. And the righteous are going to be accepted into glory. And the only ones who are righteous are the ones who have said, I'm not righteous. God, I need your righteousness. I place my faith in Jesus Christ. And God gives us the very righteousness of Christ. It's a gift. It's not of yourselves. Lest any man should boast. And then there are those who reject the need to receive the very righteousness of God through faith in Christ. And don't be mistaken. Many of those people who reject the real righteousness of God are very religious. They're very good. They're very educated. In fact, they think they're much smarter than you and I. You know, they, they're the ones that put out there the ideas of we need to do something to control the population of the world. but everybody admires them because they invented the gadgets that we all love to play with right now. Those people have no good intention for humanity. Jesus does, but they don't. So don't, don't, don't get caught up in the principles or the spirit of this world. Don't get caught up in it. Be, be willing to be different. I got a t-shirt on underneath this. It says, dare to be a Daniel. It's from a men's retreat. <laughs> dare to be a Daniel. Right? Daniel said, I'm not, I'm not going to eat what the world eats. I'm not going to dress the way the world dresses. I'm not going to act the way the world acts. You can throw me in prison. I don't really care. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And man, how God honored him. Huh? Became one of the most powerful men On the earth and never compromised. It can be done. And in these last days, more and more of us really need to commit ourselves to that and go for it. Uh, Don't fret, it only causes harm. Evildoers are going to be cut off. Those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. What's that mean? We alone are going to be the ones to enter into the kingdom. When Jesus returns and he rules and reigns on the earth, who's ruling and reigning with him? Believers. We will be ruling and reigning with him. Yet a little while, and the wicked are not going to be around anymore. Judgment is coming. So all of this nonsense you hear on the news, I don't care what political persuasion you are, but anybody that looks honestly at what's going on in our country has got to wonder who let the kids start to run the world. It's it's insanity, isn't it? The decisions and the ways of things. Look at the world right now. Look at how the power has begun to centralize itself in one place in the world, just like the Bible said it would. Where's that power coming now to centralize? Turkey? Mm -hmm. Because of who? Russia? Iran? And who is the avowed enemy of those people. Who is it that they have worked endlessly to position themselves to destroy? Israel. What's the next great battle that the world is going to see? It's listed and spelled out for us in Ezekiel 38 and 39. And where does it begin? Where does it come out of? It comes out of Russia and down through Turkey and right on to the doorstep of Israel. Is Israel going to need the armament of the United States to defend itself? No. Ezekiel 38 and 39 tells us clearly that not even Israel is going to be able to defend itself against that onslaught. God says, I'm stepping in then. The big boys are going to start playing now. And God's going to defeat all of those armies. And Israel is going to be awakened to the reality of the Redeemer King that they rejected 2,000 years ago. And Paul writes what? All Israel will be saved. We're, we're just, we're living in times, I mean, who needs TV or movies anymore? Just watch what's going on around you. And we're seeing God's plan just unfolding and coming true. Just oh that we had eyes to see it's happening right now and if there's ever a time for the church to be prepared and to be excited it's right now please please let's not play church anymore let's not be content with just showing up at church Putting in our time for an hour and a half or two hours, and then going back to our life. Let's 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 not do that anymore. You know, thankful during these days that people have been able to watch church from home. But you know what, folks? Are they are, are there people? Oh, folks, hi. But you know what? Come to church. You need to get off the couch. And come to church. Yeah, but can't I learn right here? Isn't this just as good? No, it's not. You need to come. Why? It's it's not just for you, but somebody here needs you to minister to them, to pray for them, to to cry with them, to comfort them. They need you to be here. And you know who else needs you to be here? The world that doesn't believe in the God that we believe in. They're watching all of these nutty people walk through the door in the mall with Bibles under their arms and they come in with frowns on their face or whatever and when they leave, they leave with a smile on their face and they got to wonder, what's going on inside there? And there's your opportunity to say, we met with Jesus. Jesus is alive. And he was here at Calvary Chapel of Rochester tonight. He spoke to us. He met with us. I came in. I had a need. And he met with me. And he and He touched me. And he, and he met that need. I, I was hurting. And he healed me. I was confused. And he clarified some things for me. I was lost. And now I, I found my way again. The world needs to see the church together. and I'm I'm thankful for all that the electronics allow us to do, but folks, it's time to put that behind us and to press forward and gather. I, I would just love it if Pastor Rob called me this Sunday afternoon and said, Jeff, guess what? We couldn't fit everyone in the sanctuary this morning. Everybody came back. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? That would be awesome. Uh, verse 10, for yet a little while and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, <laughs> I love this. You're going to carefully look for his place, but it shall be no more. And when God comes and cleans house, believe me, he's going to clean house every corner, under every chair. He's going to clean the house. And all the ungodly are going to be eternally lost. You, a believer in Jesus, are right now eternally safe. You don't have to live in fear. Live in that victory. And take that victory and let it drive you to being the light and the salt that God has caused you to be out in the world, the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. We live in a time that's that's as far as we'll go. You guys can read the rest of the psalm on your own, and be blessed by it. There's so much in it; it's it's awesome. Uh, but I love that promise. Um, that the meek will inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. It challenges me in one way. Listen, if we're going to inherit the earth, why are we living here and now? You know, as if we need permission from the human authorities around us to exist. This doesn't belong to them anymore. Our king died to purchase it. It's his, and we're children of the king. It's ours, and I'm I'm not into, you know, blab it and grab it, name it and claim it and all that business, I'm not suggesting that. But we have got to quit living as if we're on the losing team. We win, because our king has won, and he's gonna come back And he's going to stick his flag on this planet and it's going to say it's his. And everyone is going to have to live with the decision they've made here and now about that. They're either going to live expelled from his presence for eternity or they're going to live with him and glory in him for eternity. And. For those of us who have made that decision, we can now delight ourselves in the abundance of peace. Lynn and I've had the opportunity again to travel a lot over this past year. We've been to conferences in South Carolina. We've been to conferences in Georgia. We've been uh, to churches in Virginia. Uh, we've we've been able to get around quite a bit and visit and one of the things that is stark in its obviousness is that people are concerned they're fearful there's a lot of anxiety and outside the church rightfully so in the church ought not be yeah Yeah, but Pastor Jeff, aren't you afraid you could could die of COVID? Praise the Lord, I win. I go home and be with the Lord. Why should I fear that? Like Paul said, to be absent from the body. (laughs) I would far rather that be the case. I would rather go home and be with the Lord. But Paul came back and said, For you, it's better that I remain, evidently, for a while, for a season, until God's done with me. Okay. Then I stay and I try to be faithful. I don't try to compete with the world. I'm not going to be jealous of the world. I'm not going to let anger overwhelm me. I'm not going to give in to doubt. When I have to wait, I'm going to wait serving him while I'm waiting. And his timing is perfect. You know, we waited a year and a half. And so today we get the phone call. I want you back in the prison. My only issue now is there's a little hitch in that. But you can't come back until you've had all the shots. <sighs> so there's my dilemma, right? Because I felt like the Lord told me, don't get it. Now I've got to say, God, have you changed your mind? Or is it just the time now? Or is this just a test? So what do I do until I know? I wait. I just wait. I don't say yes. I don't say no. Until God says yes or no. You wait. And in the meantime, while you're waiting, you know what? I know he's going to show me wonderful things. And he'll just use me in other ways. So don't be discouraged. And uh, we, we, we are really so thankful for all of you uh, that came here tonight. Thank you to the church here for supporting us in what we're trying to do. Uh, thank you for your love for us and prayers for us. It means so much. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll see you again in glory.